he had chosen Israel to be his spokespeople to the world and had set them apart from other nations so that they could serve their God. But God does not show favoritism on the basis of ethnicity or background or culture. God does not show favoritism and look favorably more on one race or people or type of culture or setting over another. Peter finally got that and fully realized what that meant. We know how true it is that the message of the gospel is peace for all people. We know that God does not favor one person or place or culture or heritage over another. But do we fully grasp what that means as we consider sharing the gospel to this world? This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Ancient Faith for Today's World January 8, 2023 Acts 10:34-38. A few months ago, the U.S. Department of Defense put out a memo indicating that it was not able to obtain enough recruits in order to fill all the positions that it needed for the military. Now, when it put out this memo, some people pointed out that the military in the United States perhaps had become too woke for too many of its recruits or its potential recruits. And still others pointed out that the memo indicated less than a quarter of the young people in America, less than a quarter of the citizens are able to meet the physical or educational standards that are set for the military. And so the Department of Defense fast-tracked a way to make it easier for people to enlist serving in the military by lowering the educational standards for a less educated citizenry and also by changing the combat certification standards for those who would serve, even eliminating it for certain positions. Now, I'm not here to comment on the wisdom or the necessity of modifying the recruitment standards for military. Certainly, though, it has caused a lot of controversy. There are people who criticize the altered standards. And you can imagine those who passed the tougher standards were a little bit jealous or wanted to put down those who had less standards. And of course, foreign nations and their media and propaganda mocked our nation for its lowered standard. And this isn't the only thing where people sometimes change their requirements. Consider citizenship. The citizenship test at one point was considered too easy, so the standards for the test were changed as the test became harder and the number of questions nearly doubled. But then just recently, that test was considered too hard, so the more difficult standard of the citizenship test was rescinded. And once again, I'm not here to comment or debate what is necessary for a civic test. But you are probably aware that there are people who were bothered by this and it stirred up controversy. Well, you are here today to discuss something that does matter, the requirements that we should be discussing and God wants us to discuss here. What does he require for those who belong to his kingdom? Certainly, maybe you don't struggle with God's requirements, but there are people who will question and who will doubt and wonder about what God requires for what it is to be a Christian. It, it has caused a lot of debates, controversy, and even wars in the past. And still, there will be those around you who will question, even if you don't, what are God's requirements to be a member of his kingdom 
and to call him Lord. Well, today we can settle that and consider what it means as we speak about sharing the gospel, as we look at God's word in Acts chapter 10. You see, God's people have always struggled with this question, but the answer is made clear for us as we look at God's word today. God certainly had set requirements for his people in his word. It was during the time of Moses that the word of God was written down for the people of Israel and they received many requirements. You can read about so many different requirements for the people of God, that is the people of Israel. He said that they would be for him a special nation and he set them aside with laws and requirements and regulations. And many of those to us make sense. There were requirements against adultery, sexual immorality, homosexuality, bestiality, infanticide. There were laws against idolatry and turning against the true God and worshiping idols. These laws make sense. You, you cannot worship God, the Lord, and defy him and his creation and his gifts. You cannot despise the one you are worshiping. Those make sense, but then maybe there are some other laws that at times we wonder about. God's requirements on Israel for certain things such as cross-breeding or cross-pollinating, or God gave regulations on how they were not to trim certain portions of the men's beards. There were laws about circumcision, and there were even laws about what animals were considered clean or unclean. Maybe at times we'll look at those requirements, these ceremonial regulations that would make a person fit or unfit, clean or unclean for worshiping their God or serving him. And we might wonder about them. But God gave them for a purpose. He says in Leviticus 20, as he sums up the reasons for these regulations, you must not live according to the religious customs of the nations I'm going to drive out before you. Because they did all these things, I abhorred them. I am the Lord your God who has set you apart from the nations. God makes clear that he has these ceremonial laws and regulations on top of everything to set apart his people that they wouldn't follow the religious practices of the, the nations that God was driving out, the idolatrous, sinful nations. And God wanted his people to be separate. And so he had extra laws and regulations, even sacrifices, that would set apart his people. And it applied to the priests and to the people of Israel. These were laws which Peter and the apostles followed. That brings us to our reading today from Acts 10. You see, Peter and the apostles knew that the gospel was to go out to all the nations. They understood that that God was going to spread from Israel a light to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. That much they were aware of and understood. But there was one question which nobody was willing to ask, one that just seemed too controversial. What are the requirements on the non-Jewish people for being part of God's kingdom and for hearing his gospel? Well, even though everyone was afraid to ask or discuss such a controversial topic, God was not, and he brought it up. That brings us to our reading in Acts chapter 10. And there we find a man named Cornelius. He was living in Caesarea, which was a port city of the Romans. And Cornelius was a Roman centurion serving the Roman government. 
Caesarea was a place where Pontius Pilate, still serving as governor now even eight years after Jesus' death and resurrection, and it was a city of Gentiles, and Cornelius was a Gentile. Although he was a believer who followed the word of God and was devout and worshipped God, but still he was an uncircumcised, ceremonially unclean Gentile. But God gave a vision to Cornelius in which he was to send for a man named Peter, living at a place not too far away, Joppa. Meanwhile, Peter also received word, a vision from God, in which he saw unclean things and was told that he was no longer to regard unclean what God called clean. And while Peter was still wondering about his vision, men had come from Cornelius and had now arrived. And the Holy Spirit told Peter he was to go out and meet him, meet them and go with them. So Peter went. Peter, who had invited these Gentile messengers to his house, now traveled to the Gentile house of Cornelius. And as Peter stepped into the house, he saw that Cornelius had gathered a large crowd. Cornelius' friends and families were all there to listen. And as Peter stepped into the house, he pointed out, you know how it is not lawful for a Jew to enter into the unclean house of a Gentile. But, he said, God has told me to not consider unclean anyone that he considers clean. And so Peter asked why he was sent for. And Cornelius, with all the crowd and Peter gathered there, said, These are here to hear what God has sent you to share with us. Peter had, after crossing all these barriers now, after getting past the controversy and stepping into this Gentile's house, had an audience that any evangelist or pastor would dream of. It was a crowd of people who worshipped the Lord, who believed in the coming Messiah, and who had not yet heard about Jesus fulfilling the word of God as Messiah and rising to life. And they were all ready prepared by God, ready to hear Peter share the gospel. And Peter began by telling them, in Acts 10, verse 34, we read, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Peter had known, he had understood that the word of God was to go out to all nations. And it had gone throughout Judea and Samaria from everyone from priest to plowman had heard about Jesus and the message had spread throughout Judea. But now Peter understands, fully grasps what requirements were there as God would take it beyond Judea to the very verge as Peter is one of the very first to step into the house of a Gentile and spread this message. I realize how true it is, God does not show favoritism. God doesn't care about ethnicity. He never did. Yes, he had chosen Israel to be his spokespeople to the world and had set them apart from other nations so that they could serve their God. But God does not show favoritism on the basis of ethnicity or background or culture. God does not show favoritism and look favorably more on one race or people or type of culture or setting over another. Peter 
finally got that and fully realized what that meant. That nothing should get in the way of proclaiming message of peace through Jesus to everyone. And that the requirements which God had set for ancient Israel did not apply in any way to the Jewish nation, non-Jewish people, the Gentiles around. And actually, since Christ had come, did not even apply to the people of Israel anymore. Christ had fulfilled it. God does not show favoritism. We know how true it is that the message of the gospel is peace for all people. We know that God does not favor one person or place or culture or heritage over another. But do we fully grasp what that means as we consider sharing the gospel to this world? God does not show favoritism, and yet maybe we favor one style of music or particular manner of worship over another. Does that mean we can't share the gospel with those who don't share in that? God does not show favoritism, but maybe we might be tempted to think that maybe those of a upper or lower middle class white background might be more willing or receptive or ready to hear the gospel, or God might favor them. God does not show favoritism, but are we ready and willing to set aside our favorite type of music and style for those who don't share in that? Does God favor an accompaniment by organ or keyboard aboard something else? There are Christians who like to listen to Christian hip-hop and rap. Are they somehow less favored? We might understand God wants to reach all despite their background or culture or heritage, but do we reach out with our confessional evangelical Lutheran heritage without reservation, stepping inside every door and every place? Do we? Do you, in any way, show or act as if God puts a requirement? Or Peter, when Peter would get back to his home place, he would be criticized and have to explain himself for stepping into the house of a Gentile. Do we sometimes question people's methods or modes of sharing the gospel and make them explain themselves if it's not our favored way or culture or custom? Peter said, I now realize how true this is. And don't misunderstand. When Peter says here, God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. It's not only a gospel because he's spreading it for all people, but it's a gospel without condition. Cornelius, yes, was a believer. He was devout. But it was because of the promised Messiah. And now he hears of the Messiah. And God accepts people like Cornelius from around the world. He sends his gospel. And he creates faith so that they too fear and love God by the working of his word. Peter says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. God does not show favoritism. Once again, don't misunderstand. He favored Israel, but he sent that word to Israel for all. It was never intended solely for Israel. God equipped Israel, and the message came from the land of Israel and through the people of Israel, but for all. And it's not only a message without condition, because he says, 
It is a message through the good news of peace through Jesus, who is Lord of all. It's a message which God does not place any condition on because the message comes through Christ, who met the requirements. The people of Israel heard of all the laws and regulations, and they could not live up to it. Even even Moses failed at one point, we see, to circumcise his son and nearly died for it. The people of Israel could not live up to the perfect requirements it would take to be part of God's family. None of us could, except for one man, Jesus. God sent good news of peace through Jesus. Peter said to them, You know what happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism John preached. There Jesus, we see, was baptized. And Jesus stepped in, anointed by the Holy Spirit, signified as the Christ, God's chosen. Jesus fulfilled the requirements that none of us could. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Jesus lived in perfect holiness, the requirements that none could keep. Jesus met the perfect standard of holiness under God's law. And Peter would go on to explain how that perfect son of Jesus took the requirement of death that we deserved and punishment that we deserved for sin. And how Jesus met those perfect and holy requirements and rose to life. This was the good news that Peter shared with Cornelius and all who were listening. And through that good news, we find that Cornelius believed. It is through faith In the gospel, the good news about Jesus, a message without condition, of conditions met by the Son of God, that we find peace with one another and with our God. Peter would baptize Cornelius and the others who believed that day as the signs were given that they had faith and the message was shared. The message of Jesus who is Lord of all. That's the message God calls on his church to share today. A message of peace through Jesus. A message of peace without condition. And a message for all. That message was given long before this time, decades before to the Magi, who were not of Israel, but who heard and who saw the one who was born in Israel. And they believed. That message began to go outside of Israel as Peter stepped into the house of a non-Jewish person and spoke to that crowd of a message of peace for all from the Lord of all Jesus. And they believed. That message went out to the, as Jesus said, from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth so that you received it. Whatever your culture and your background is, And you believed it. And it's a message which God's church continues to share of Jesus, who is Lord of all, a message of peace for all through the gospel.